All right, well, let's get back into it. Let's turn to the book of Titus, session two. We're in chapter two, starting again up in verse seven. We'll go from verse seven to 10. I kind of changed the schedule around. Um, we're going to have a couple studies, the PCN night, and then, or PCF night, and then we're going to do, actually uh, have a movie for us to watch again on some of the, um, the false teachings that are going on out there. A little bit deeper than the, the last one, a little bit more information on that. But um, title for tonight, The Pattern for Titus. The Pattern for Titus, anchored, holding fast the faithful word. And remember last year, the Paul writ, wrote the letter to Titus. Him and Titus had gone to Crete, started the work there. Paul left. He left Titus there, and he tells Titus to basically set things in order, get the teaching right, get the churches right, appoint elders in every church. Um, had a huge job. That, that island's 150 miles long, 30 miles wide at its widest part. Many, many cities. What a challenge for that dear brother. But that was what he was supposed to do. And we remember going through chapter 1, we had the calling of Paul where he lays out the fact that God called him. God chose him to do it and God called him to preach the gospel. Then verse 5 and 6 was a command from Paul to Titus. Set things in order, appoint elders in every city. Then we moved on from there to the challenge. Verse 7 and 9, the challenge for elders. I love this. As you look at this here, for a bishop must be blameless, a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, hospitable going on. And again, remember, guys, as, as we challenged each other, that in my mind, in my heart, I see a group of men that are in leadership training. You're in elder training. You're in pastoral training. Because ultimately, you're the pastor of your house. You're the pastor, an elder at your workplace, in your neighborhood. You're the one that God has called. You're the one that's raising up. And who knows, out of this group, who will be the next one that steps into the actual men's ministry. And I've said it before, who might be the next pastor that's sitting in these seats? Because remember, 27 plus years ago, I was sitting right where you are. God had a plan and yanked me out of that seat, and the rest is history, as they say. So we see here we have the, the challenge. Then we have the circumstances. What was going on in Crete? Verse 10 and 11, for many are insubordinate, idle talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole, whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. And so we see the circumstances. What was going on? Why, why the problems and then, then we actually did that video on the false teachers, did a teaching on the false teaching. Then we had in verse 12 through 16, the contradiction. And ultimately it was works that deny. My lifestyle, my actions, my behavior, not lining up with what I believe. Works that deny that I'm saved, actually. Deny the Lord, deny what I believe, or I say to I, that I believe. And then, of course... Um, the last study was the plan for discipleship addressed to Titus and what Titus was supposed to do, chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine to the older men, to the older women, that the women would admonish the young women, and then also, of course, the young men. Then we are here tonight now in verse 7 where he says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern 
of good works. And so Titus, show yourself to be a pattern. Pattern that people could copy, that they could follow, they could imitate, they could look to. And the sad thing that I see that in our day and age, this, this pattern of leadership, so to speak, has been lost. I mean, where are the great men in the world? Where are the great men of God? Now, I don't know how many of you guys saw um, Midway last summer. I think it's when it was, came out, but I went to see that movie. Now, the movie was good. It wasn't great. The movie was good, but the story was great, of course. And when you see a movie like that and you see what these guys went through, our fathers, basically, those who were involved in that thing, man, those were real men, if you ask me. Those, that was that generation to talk about, guys that were willing to give their lives, that stood for truth and righteousness. Not that they were godly men, don't get me wrong. Some, of course, were. But they, there, was a pad, there was a lifestyle there that we don't see today. Great men. And it seems that greatness has been lost in our society. Thinking about this. I mean, look at the politicians. It just, it's just so disheartening to see what is going on. Or the liberal judge, the problems with law enforcement, business management, men in business, education, the problems in education, the pro sports debacle. I mean, can you believe this about the Houston Astros? Now, can you imagine the next time they show up at Dodger Stadium, how long do you think that boo is going to go on for? I'm serious. I wouldn't, if, you know, if you're a Houston Astro fan, bless your heart, but I wouldn't show up that night that they play the Dodgers. No way. And then and now the, 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 uh, the Red Sox manager, Cora, you know, the, thing, the thing that's good about this, at least that people are making, I mean, those are radical decisions, firing the manager and the general manager and the, the guy from the Red Sox. But man, where the, the greatest has been lost, not only in that, but also in the church of Jesus Christ. The church today compromising, wishy-washy, lukewarm. And everywhere we look around, we, got, we have disappointing examples and yet, I believe the world's crying out. The church is crying out. Crying out for men of the word, men of the world, men of the church to rise up, to be an example, to be a, a, the pattern that people can follow, that your wives need, that our kids need, that our neighbors need, that your coworkers. We're going to hit on the coworkers scene tonight a lot. This pattern, this example. And it's, it's kind of interesting to think about it. Even though the world wants to follow the devil, they still want men and women of integrity. People that will stand for the truth, for righteousness, who, who, who are living their lives above reproach and blameless with integrity and honesty, even though the world itself could care less. And then when, when, a, when a politician or, or a, a business leader stumbles and falls, it's like, eh, you know what? He's just a man, whatever, whatever. But the world is looking. They're looking for a man who does the right thing, the right way, with the right motives all the time. And ultimately, they're looking for Jesus. Because that's the only one who can fit that bill. And yet Paul says to Titus, Titus, set the example. Titus, show yourself to be a pattern. What What does this word mean? The word pattern or example is the Greek word tupos. Interesting. It literally refers to a mark or impression left by an instrument such as a pen, a sword, or a hammer, or a nail. 
It's the same word used in John 20, 25, when Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see the imprint, unless I see the tupos of the nails in his hands. It was something Thomas could see and touch. That's the pattern. That's what we're talking about, the tupos, the pattern that others can see and touch. And really what Paul laid out at the beginning of the book in chapter 1 that I read there, for a bishop must be blameless. Where where Titus was to, to appoint those men that were blameless. And we talked about that. What a huge word that is, blameless. I mean, anybody in this room blameless? And yet the, the challenge wasn't, well, do your best. I mean, okay, we know whatever. There wasn't, there wasn't a, an escape clause in it. No, he was calling men to be blameless. Now, of course, we are blameless in Christ. Colossians tells that. We're above reproach because of the blood of Jesus. But we're to try and live our lives in such a way where people could see our pattern, see our two posts, and go, that's, that's the man I want to follow. That's the man of God that I, I can look. Wow, what a, what a difference in that guy's life. This pattern that should be imprinted upon our lives just as the nail prints in the hands and feet of Jesus. So number one, only two main points tonight. Number one, Titus set the example, verse seven and eight, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine shown integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Titus set the example in all things. Paul starts with all things, and he ends in verse 10 with all things. What's left after all? Pretty, pretty incredible challenge, huh? In all things, showing. There's got to be something visible. Showing yourself. Showing yourself. And this list is, includes everything. Not just sound doctrine. We're talking everything. So what was the example to set? The example that was worth following. As Paul said, imitate me as I imitate who? As I imitate Christ. So set the example. So Titus set the example, number one, by good works. His works were to line up with what he preached. And Titus was to confront the Cretans not only with spiritual words, but also with the spiritual life, you guys. And these, these good works, again, here's another proof that God has changed your life. What are the works? What's the evidence? What's the things going on in your life that is that proof that you are filled with the Spirit of God, that you're walking in the Spirit, and there has been a change? Another, another challenge for us. My life has changed. I'm born of the Holy Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. So good works or deeds speak of actions and behavior. Actions, what we do or don't do. And ultimately, is it in line with the Word of God? My actions in line with this Word that we hold right here. And it speaks of a desire to walk blameless, even as Paul told Titus to appoint elders that were blameless. There's a desire there. We're, we're to live like a Daniel. And we know the story of Daniel where the satraps and the, whatever, the priests, all those guys, they wanted to find something against Daniel. 
And they looked, and they looked, and they looked under rugs or whatnot, and they couldn't find anything against him, except, of course, we know, against him and his God. Be a Daniel. That's the kind of man. That's the actions. And then the behavior, of course, attitudes, good or bad, how we treat others. And really, this behavior, it, it should be a mirror or reflection of the life of Jesus. That's who we are to be imitating. That's who we want to reflect to others. We're going to ask ourselves the question to end the study tonight. Do people have a hard time seeing Jesus in you or me? You might be like, I know he's in there somewhere. You know, he comes out every once in a while, but most of the time it's the other guy that we're imitating. So Titus set the example by good works, but Titus set the example by sound or pure doctrine, by what you teach. So he says here, sound doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech. And it's interesting, sound speech is like the umbrella over, the definition of all that we're talking about here. The doctrine that is with integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. So he says here, sound or pure doctrine, teaching with integrity. No lies, no exaggerations, no immorality, no impurity in your speech. Teaching with reverence, ultimately that which is done in the fear of the Lord. Understanding that, that as you speak God's word, as you speak these truths, these are things that, that he is looking at. And, and in the fear of the Lord, you've got to be teaching it right and doing that which honors God. But also teaching with incorruptibility, not giving in to the compromise of the gospel. Holding fast, like we talked about. Holding fast the faithful word. We're not veering off course. We're not changing direction. We're not getting caught up in the latest fad, whatever latest deal that's out there that comes up. No, we're not giving in. We're not changing. But also we are teaching the truth. That's what Paul was talking about. Sound doctrine, sound speech that cannot be condemned. The one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So this, this teaching of the truth, I love the New uh, Living Translation. By the way, I teach from the New King James Version, just so you always all know that. Most of you know that. But the New Living Translation says, teach, verse 8, teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. And of course, the people were doing what? They were in Crete. They were teaching the false. And that was part of the problem. The problems there in Crete. But of course, that problem still exists. We've talked about this. We got all kinds of false teaching going on out there. You got the prosperity. You got the word of faith. You got the name it claim. You got the positive confession. You got the cults. The list goes on and on. And the sad thing is, it's not the truth according to Scripture. And of course, because of that, the world itself is, is, is condemning and judging Christianity because of what the world sees Christianity doing. We don't have to say a word. The world's doing enough for us. Sad to say. It's being condemned. The bottom line for Titus and for us, so guys, ultimately, we, 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 we know this. We've got to walk the talk. And it's going to become real apparent in the next point when we're talking about this whole area of where you work. We got to walk the talk. We got to practice what we preach. 
And if you say you're a man of God or a man of the word, then speak what the word says and let your actions be in line with what the word says. Because if we don't, then what are we? And what do people call us? And what is one of the biggest problems that people have with the church? Starts with an H. Totally. Totally. And of course, none of us are perfect. We stumble all in many ways and such. But man, we've got to look and recognize that we are being watched. Titus, he was to set this example for this, this whole movement of God there on the island. Especially to those that he was appointing as elders. To be an example to them, to set the pattern for them, that they in turn would turn around and set the pattern to be the example for those that are in the church. And of course, that pattern has been set and established and has been passed on down through the millennium. So Titus set the example. Number two, verse 9 and 10, Titus encouraged the bondservants. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And so for the sake of the study, we're going to look at this from the context of employee and employer, bosses and workers. And it's a huge passage. This is huge. This is huge, you guys. Because really, there is so much good that can be done or so much damage that can be done when it comes to the cause of Christ by our witness and testimony in our workplaces. Now, some of you work maybe small offices and only a few people. Some of you work in large corporations. Some of you work where there's, there's many people around. Some of you are the boss and some of you are the employee. And those who don't know Jesus guarantee they know They know who the Christians are. They know who the weirdos are. Unless you're one of those closet ones and you haven't said a peep about it. Which is actually even more damaging when you think about it. Because down the road somebody, wait a minute, you're a Christian? Remember years ago, I was in the grocery industry, I was working in the corporate headquarters. There was two guys that were Christians that I knew. Oh, yeah, great Christian fellowship. Oh, yeah, great Christian fellowship. So all three of us end up together, and they knew each other. And so I'm talking, talking, and they're they're like, you're a Christian? You're a Christian? I'm like, wait a minute, you guys didn't even know this? They were quiet about it. Not no more, though. (laughs) I I pulled the carpet out on them for sure. But he says, Titus, encourage, encourage. And how we live our lives out in the workplace, man, where when you think about it, most of us, you spend really more time at work than you do at home apart from sleeping. Think about it. I mean, you're working your eight, nine, ten hours a day, travel and all that kind of stuff. Work is huge, and it's huge for the plan of evangelism. God has you out there for a reason. You're all thinking, man, I sure wish I could come to the church. Well, I got to evangelize in the church as well. The staff, keep these guys in line around here. But Paul here again instructs Titus in what he used to do, encourage, exhort, urge the bond service, one, to be obedient or submissive. And this was not optional. It's actually written in the form of a command. And and there's no clauses in there that say, do this if your boss is nice and he takes you to lunch. 
be kind of nice if that was the case, huh? No, no, no. There's, 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 there's no clause in there. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 2, over to the right there. About, I don't know, eight pages. First Peter chapter 2. This is a great passage of Scripture. Peter lays it out for us. First Peter 2, verse 18. You guys all know this passage, right? Peter goes on to say, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. This is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Anybody enduring grief, suffering wrongfully at work? Underneath the, the <laughs> oppressive, crazy boss? For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, if you're messing up, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And guys, this word commendable that he's used already twice, it's actually, it, it speaks of the, the view that God had upon his son when he went to the cross. It was commendable to God. It was commendable, well-pleasing. Verse 21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that word example means copy for imitation, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was a seat found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Take this in the context of what is written. When you're at work and things are going tough and your boss is just ripping you up one side to the other, oh, tell me if that isn't hard though, huh? Remember back in the old Alpha Beta days, there was a DM. Jeff, I think, knows, knows heard of this guy. Chino Charlie, Charlie Saliva. This guy was a piece of work. I'm telling you what. I mean, he thought he was just like the god of Alpha Beta. He was only a district manager, but he'd been around forever. And I mean, he just so rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, Ugh, and so he came in the store and my managers are gone. I was acting store manager and he came in and he's walking the store and doing his thing and acting all like he's something else, whatever. I'm like, hey, come on, come on, whatever. <laughs> he, he finds somebody in the back produce room that was actually, didn't work for the store, but he actually would go through the trash for us and clean up well, he would come in and help. He was back in the produce. He's cleaning. He's trimming stuff and everything. And he walks back there. Who is this guy? And the guy just he kind of runs out the door. And the guy's, what is going on around here? You're in charge of this place. What? And he's yelling at me and everything. He goes, give me your keys. I said, fine. Turned around and walked away from him. Wait a minute. Come here. Come here. Come here. Take him back. Come here. Anyhow, we all have problems sometimes. But we're to be obedient and submissive and obey Jesus, as Jesus is our example. Amen? So then, secondly, he says, be well-pleasing. means to be committed to excellence, to do the best job that you can in your workplace. Why? Who is it that you actually work for? Well, in case you're wondering, let's turn to Colossians. Like six, seven, eight pages to the left. Colossians chapter 3. Paul speaking here. Verse 22, 
through 24. Again, bond servants, obey in all things your masters. Now, of course, the challenge there is if there's a command given for you to do something that is sinfully wrong. Got to make that choice. You know what? You need to lie about what happened in this situation so that you can cover me so that we don't get any trouble. So here's what you're supposed to say. Ba, 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 ba. Compromise. Nope. Obey. Though. When it's right. According to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. You work for Jesus. We work for Jesus. We all work for Jesus. And really, a lot of times, that's the only way you can make it through the situation you're in. Ah, Jesus, I know you know about this. And really, ultimately, it comes down to, you know, if, if these things can't happen, it can't work, you got to go. You got you to move on. But be well-pleasing. We work for Jesus. He wants you doing your best, working as hard as you can, that he might receive the praise. You claim to be a Christian in the workplace? Well, work as such for your king. He, you get your paycheck from him. And you guys that are a part of a union, remember... You don't work for the union. That's a tough one. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of... I was in the bargaining unit in the grocery industry. I was out of the bargaining unit when I went into management. And it was a, it was a, it was a challenge. <laughs> but we well-pleasing. Number three, though, be respectful. Not answering back or argumentative. Zip it, lock it, put in your pocket, as Bob says. Don't get a reputation for being a pain in the neck, a smart aleck, or a troublemaker. Because ultimately, if you're there representing Jesus, we want Jesus seen. You want Jesus seen. And remember, of course, there in Peter, Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not. Your disrespect only gives Jesus a black eye. That doesn't mean you can't talk, you can't debate, you can't question in a sense, but it's done respectfully. It's done out of respect for the person in this position. Amen? Then also, number four, be trustworthy. He says you're not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, not stealing. Thing is, you own nothing and you are entitled to nothing. Not even a paperclip. Tough. But we justify stealing because we don't get the hours that we wanted or we don't get paid for the overtime, we stayed over, whatever, whatever. Then we decide, okay, well, I'm going to come in late because I worked late last night. Then, then I'm going to change my time card. I'm going to take a longer lunch, whatever, whatever, whatever. We stretch our lunch break or, this is this is crazy one, or we hide. You might have heard this story. Years ago, I worked at U.S. Steel. I was 19 years old. Anybody ever worked for U.S. Steel out there? Maybe, yeah. Well, this was, <laughs> it was a great job actually, but it was crazy. You could literally hide. I mean, the factory was huge. And you had your, like, your work team. And this team, of course, would cover for each other. I mean, you could go off and do all kinds of things. And the boss would be, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? Oh, yeah, we saw him. He was over there. The, you know, oh, oh. And then they, oh, no, he saw him over there. 
<clears throat> well, one time it came in. I might have told this story. I was, I was tanked. I was so drunk. And so you came in, and the guy's like, oh, Stoffel, what are you doing? Okay, okay, here's the deal. And, of course, they, you take you to this, the secret little place that nobody knew about except for us, and you would go there, and you would sleep it off. And then the boss would come around, and he'd be looking, and they would just come. Oh, yeah, he's over here. Oh, yeah, some over there. Oh, yeah, he's in the... And then they'd come and get you about about three or four hours. Hey, time to get up. You got to get out there. And you kind of, you know, wake up and you kind of, you know, have slept it off a little bit. BC days. But I'm sure it still happens today. Bad news. 19, come on, 19. So this justification doesn't fly, though, with Jesus, of course, when we look at the reasons why. We take something or we steal time from the company or we don't give the the amount of time we're supposed to give. Okay, and you you think about this. Let it be, when he says showing all good fidelity, it means let it be seen and known that you and me, that, that we're the most trustworthy employee. I mean, does your boss trust you? Or is there, eh, and of course, I'm sure many of you, your boss trusts you implicitly and gives you promotions and you're running maybe the company for him, whatever. I mean, it, and it speaks of Joseph. Remember Joseph? He, he was, the Spirit of God was on him. And even when he went to Potiphar's house, Potiphar gave him the run of his whole house. Be a Joseph. Be trusted. And then, last in number five, be attractive. The verse goes on to say that you that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Again, there's that word, all things. The word adorn, of course, it means to make more attractive, and it speaks of the use of cosmetics and such. Um, And in our workplaces, and of course, in our lives as a whole, when we pattern ourselves after Jesus, and we live that out before people, we understand this, we know this, we make the gospel attractive. We're adorning, we're, we're making the gospel attractive when we act this way, when we do these things. And of course, he's speaking here specifically of, of bond servants and masters, employees and employers, but then this goes everywhere across the board for our lives. Everywhere we go. When people see that in you, when they see the smile, when they see the joy, when they see your ability to deal with pressure, when you don't go crazy on the freeway and they know your car and your license plate. That's the problem with having specialized license plate. I know that license. Wait a minute. That's one of the pastors at church. Hey. How's my wife's car? <laughs> I'm just borrowing it. <laughs> but when we reflect Jesus, guys, oh, man, this draws people to Jesus. It really does especially in the workplace where you have so much interaction for so many hours and it's such a great place to truly evangelize. Years ago, and I'll end with this story, years ago when I'd first gotten saved, I was, I was managing the store that's my gym now on um, Redondo Beach Boulevard. It was in Alpha Beta. I got saved in that store, then promoted to a store in Westchester, and man, the Christians came out of the woodwork and I didn't even care anymore at that point in time. Like, you know what? The boss comes in, and I'm witnessing, and we're talking. We're in the back sharing Scripture and everything. But it was so cool because people were so drawn. 
because the Christians in that store, it was, it was just a beautiful time in my life there. First saved, man, walking still three feet off the ground, high as a kite, just on Jesus, like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And there's other Christians, and we're witnessing to people. We're talking to people. People are getting saved and everything. And people were seeing in the store. In other words, the, the, the people that had a problem with it, of course, but for the most part, it was wonderful. It was amazing what God did. We were adorning the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. The sissy, Francis the sissy said, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, there you go, use words. So some application factor for us tonight. What's the pattern or example being set by your life? And is it worth following? Are there good works demonstrated by your actions, your behavior? Are you walking the talk? And as a man of the word, are you obedient? And in this obedience to the word, as viewed by your family and friends, does it line up with scripture? Of course, it's always the challenge. Your coworkers, those people that know you're a Christian. And, and even in this area of speech, now Paul was talking to Titus about the speech of the word of God and teaching and such. But in our speech, in your speech, and this is a challenge. This is a challenge for, especially you guys, when you live and work in, in a, a workplace where, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure you guys understand that I used to be a non-Christian, right? And you understand I used to talk just like everybody else. I couldn't communicate just like some maybe even today still struggle with being able to communicate properly without using four-letter words. And especially in a workplace where that's all you hear all the time. And you, that you get caught up in. You, you, you catch yourself. You, you, ah, you slip. But the challenge is that the, the non-Christian even knows that you're not supposed to talk like that. And you might have heard it before, and you, you call yourself a Christian? Wow, you just laced that out and spread that out like, like poetry profanity, man. And, and, and yet you call yourself a Christian. Now, we're not trying to condemn, but it is something that you, of course, have to pray about and ask God to, to you know, I, it was easier for me to quit drinking, honestly, than it was to quit cussing. As a saved Christian, jeez, it was just like, and, and really the conviction came the most when I would do it in front of my kids, my young boys. And finally it was like, all right, I'm praying, praying. But the crazy thing about it is I don't know when, I don't know when, or I know how, but all of a sudden it was just like, wait a minute. I'm talking like I got some sort of a brain here. <laughs> I, I don't have to say all the other things to communicate my thoughts and express how I'm feeling anymore. And it, it, was, it was an amazing thing. It was a great thing. It was wonderful. And of course, the, the struggle as Christian men, I mean, the enemy plants and throws things in your head and these things pop in your mind and such. And, you know, so again, speech, the pattern that would follow, but also in the workplace, as I said earlier, is it easy for people to see Jesus in you? in your workplace or are there like I've worked with you for 20 years you're a Christian 
That's not good. That wouldn't be good. What would your boss say? What would your coworker say? Then, of course, ultimately, Jesus is the one that you're trying to please. What would he say? Are you a chip off the old block, as they say? Would Jesus say, yeah, there's, there's my son right there. Yep, he's, he's doing it right. He's walking right. He's doing the best he can. He's not perfect, but he's doing good. And, of course, for us, guys, as Paul said to Titus, verse 7, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern, let ourselves as well show that pattern to the world and let people get saved so we can get out of here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the challenge that is in your word, Lord, as we read it, how it corrects, how it, it brings us back in line, Lord. And, and I do pray for any man that's here tonight. And, and maybe even as we start this new year off, there, there needs to be maybe rededications. And maybe at the workplace, which is, Lord, you know how difficult it is. Lord, my hat is off to these brothers. I'm so thankful I work in this, this setting here where we don't deal with 99% or maybe 95% of the things they deal with. But Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. And if maybe tonight you've blown it at work, um, it's a mess. And you feel like you can't get that witness back. You can't get that testimony back. I, I pray that, that you would know that you can. If there's any tonight here, just raise your hand before the Lord. That you, you're, you're saying, you know what, Lord? I want a fresh start. I want to make this right. I, wanna, I want to be the best employee at my workplace. I want to be that pattern, that example. I want to be one that as a Christian man, people can see Jesus in me. And so if that's you, just raise your hand. I'm not even going to open my eyes. You just raise your hand to Jesus, and we'll just all pray together. And so, Lord, I pray for every man in this room, Lord. Maybe there has been those problems at work, and, and they're, they're ashamed of their testimony. Lord, I pray that they would know that tomorrow is a brand new day, and that, Lord, tomorrow we start afresh and anew. Lord, we, we, we walk the talk. We speak the words of Jesus. We, we act like him. And no matter what the past has been, no matter how much we messed it up, Lord, the people are going to see the change. There's going to be a difference. And Lord, that testimony, that witness will come back. Even if there has to be some confession of just, you know what, I've blown it. I, I just, I have, I've not been acting right. Uh, and, and God, we know that you'll work through all that, Lord. So, Bless these men here tonight. Bless them in their groups. Encourage them. Lift them up, Lord. Thank you for your grace, even as we look next week to the purpose of Jesus. So bless we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. If any of you do not have a group, come on up front here. Albert is 